split, we are split in a horrible way. But the future lies on the toil of individuals. I'm Gil Galanos, and welcome to Storymark, a show about leaders, the moments that made them, and the mark they leave. On today's show, the founder of Israel's first private university, Uriel Reichman. no overstatement that Uriel Reichman changed the face of Israeli higher education. As the dean of Tel Aviv University Law School, Uriel saw how everyday Israeli citizens were shut out of universities, and he decided to take action. He eventually founded IDC, the Interdisciplinary Center Herzliya, which he helmed for a quarter of a century, and he turned it from a laughable idea into Israel's first and only private university. In 2021, the university received a new name, Reichman University. Oh, and Uriel also helped draft an Israeli constitution, which we get into in our discussion. And this is what inspires me about Uriel. He has a grand vision, he doesn't take no for an answer, and even when the results don't pan out, his effort is nothing short of valiant. Uriel grew up in pre-statehood Israel, where everyone nervously awaited the next round of war. But he told me that this period instilled in him an ethos of self-determination that drives him till this day. He eventually joined the military, becoming an officer in the paratroopers brigade until he went to school. And in 1973, as a PhD student at the University of Chicago, Uriel put his studies on hold to fly back home to fight in the Yom Kippur War. As the war raged, his younger brother, Gad, fought in a tank battalion nearby. And at the time, they had horrible casualties. Tanks came down from the mountain with one or two dead in each tank. It was such a fierce fighting, they had immediately to regroup and go back to continue the fighting. So they needed everybody. And he went and fought for six hours. His tank was hit and his commander of the tank was wounded. And he took him out of the tank and treated his wounds and went back to call for assistance. Then on the, his way back, he was shot and killed by a tank from a very close distance. And um, yeah, and that uh, was the story. And at that time, I had a dilemma whether to go back to Chicago to finish my thesis or to stay with my grieving parents. And they uh, really asked me to go back to finish my doctorate. At the time, we had so many casualties, they built temporary cemeteries. And I had this, there was nothing reasonable behind it, but I felt this urge to go and visit my brother's grave. And it was a kind of uh, strange feeling. Afternoon, not much light on the street with the eucalyptus trees around, and I came to the cemetery, and there were only two other people on the cemetery there. One was in distance, and there was a woman there. And I found the grave, and I stood. The woman that was standing beside came in. She had a bouquet in her hands. She split it and put half of it on my brother's grave and stood for a minute next to my brother's grave to show solidarity. I don't know who she was, whom she came to mourn. I didn't look at her. She was just standing there and she disappeared. She just split the bouquet and showed the solidarity. That was the most moving moments from all the wars that I have carried with me. 
Yeah, it was very difficult for me. Um, the trauma of the war, my feeling to my parents and so on and so forth. And it took me about half a year to put myself together. And I decided to go back finally to Chicago. And six months later, I wrote my PhD. You got back to Israel. You served as a law faculty in Tel Aviv University. At some point, you decided to found Ramot Mishpat. Oh, they are skipping the most important story. <laughs> okay. I became the dean of uh, the Tel Aviv University Law School and was inspired by a visit I made to Spain. Immediately after the uh, revolution, Spain somehow put itself together. I met people that sat down and drafted the constitution for Spain. And I said to myself, if they could do it, we should do it. Because in our Declaration of Independence, there is a paragraph saying, by October 1948, a freely elected constituent assembly will establish a constitution for the state of Israel. That commitment was never carried out. I assembled a group of professors and said, we are going to draft a constitution. They said, you know, you're crazy. I said, no. We have to do it. After one and a half years, 87, we were ready. It was a blast in all the newspapers, a constitution for Israel. And we said, let's Knesset here, we have a draft, let's uh, work on this. But nothing was moving. Nobody was interested to do. So I called my friend and said, okay, let's fight for it. Let's have an organization and fight for a constitution for Israel. I put into this effort six years of my life. You know, it's basically a surprise what happened. People were waiting for it. We had over 200,000 people calling for a constitution. Mushchatim nimastem, they were against the corruption in our system and so on. And they waited for a new beginning. And for two elections, the system was in operation, but they didn't correct what we thought what should have been corrected. And then it was annulled. But it was the first time in the history of Israel that a major change was brought by a dean of a law school, and it was a major achievement of my life doing it. Are you optimistic about Israel having constitution at some point? I'm sure we will have. In the 90s, you started Ramot Mishpat, a non-government funded law school under Tel Aviv University umbrella. What was missing? What was the idea behind it? Well, it's a long struggle that I have with the um, Council for Higher Education of Israel. The system gave power to a small group with a majority of representatives from the existing seven universities. And that group was to decide total budget of higher education and approval of new academic institutions. As it happened, you gave the cats the job of protecting the milk. They were against letting any institution grant uh, independently academic degrees. It created a tragedy, basically, that social mobility of the people was denied. Many Israelis had to leave the country to get their academic degrees. And there was need to create a revolution. And I just finished my term as a dean of Tel Aviv University Law School. I said, well, let's go for it. We started in the university to open another school financed by the students themselves. This group that financed the universities threatened the universities. And that was the end of uh, Ramot Mishpat. But at the same time, the revolution started. 
After the close down, Ramot Mishpaita said, the problem is still there. The doors of academia are still closed. But I said, okay, so I'll create a new university. The uh, mayor of Herzliya, his daughter was studying in Ramot Mishpat and he got appreciative of what I did and said, you know, what do you need? I said, I need, I need land, I need support. I in Herzliya, there was an army camp that left the mayor came to me and said, why don't you establish here a college? It's eucalyptus trees with a, a few rotten down buildings. I saw in my imagination already something which comes very close to what's happening today, 30 years later. So I said, okay, let's do it. And I didn't have any right to grant academic degrees. The only thing I had was a declaration with all the elements that I'm about to accomplish. I said it will be interdisciplinary education. I said it will become a house for Jewish kids and others from all over the world. I said it will be a place that we hope to serve the cause of peace and bring students from also our neighboring countries. I said we'll stand on guard of academic freedom. And at the end of the declaration said today, we are establishing an institution that will become a university in Israel. That was a source of laughter. You know, this guy has nothing, nothing. Temporary stationed somewhere in a totally depleted and ruined military camp. Some said, well, I should see a shrink. Others said, perhaps I didn't take a vacation for a long time. Nobody was really believing in what I said. But at the time, I was very popular with uh, students, and I became uh, known with my fight for a constitution in Israel and so on. I was trusted. People came. And that was the beginning of uh, Ben Trumi, IDC. A crazy venture, because it was the first not-for-profit private college in the state of Israel. And from then on, it was an uphill fight from day to day against the... Uh, really the Bolshevistic seven universities that were afraid that there will be a competition and uh, create this entirely new approach of higher education in this country. We were fighting for bachelor degrees. They tried to stop us. And then we, of course, uh, opened the international school and people came from 90 countries to study with us in English. It wasn't available, full degree studying in English in here in Israel. And then they tried to stop us for master's degrees. They couldn't stop us because every standard showed that we are at least the standards of the universities. And after about 10 years of struggle and fighting, we were able to get the PhD degrees. And finally, the question was, should we be claimed as a university? And then they, under pressure, nominated the independent committee. They went into months of investigation and they uh, wrote, summing up, we found IDC with high standards of research and we unanimously approved that IDC will become part of uh, the leading academic universities in Israel and will be a major contribution to higher education in this country. Then they had no choice. Finally, the Council of Higher Education supported the uh, recognition of our university as a university. Breaking this rule of the seven university cartel and allow something else to come. Once it was established 
all the uh, donors and uh, the faculty and everybody decided to name this place on my name. And once the university was called Reichmann University, I announced my retirement. They said, today it's a university. I completed almost everything which I declared almost 28 years ago, and time has come. So I'll ask a few questions that I ask all of our guests. What are you most optimistic about? We have to settle many, many issues right now in the state of Israel. We are split, we are split in a horrible way, not only between uh, Jews and Muslims, the right wing and the left, and religious and not religious, and communities that came from different cultural backgrounds and so forth. But the future lies on the toil of individuals. It is always up to people who are committed. If there are many of us, then I'm very optimistic of uh, the future. What is uh, one thing that most people get absolutely wrong about you? Ask them. <laughs> If they say something bad, probably they are wrong. <laughs> And last one. What is a piece of advice that you wish that someone would have given you at the beginning of your journey? I can only say one thing. From each failure in your life, if you believe in the missions that you took upon yourself, and if you are convinced that that is the right thing to do, you derive determination and you actually build up courage. And I had the intuition that whoever will stand against us will be able to walk through them. And we did it. And retiring, I feel that I was able to give a present to my country. Rachman, thank you so much for being with us today. I enjoyed it too. You've been listening to Storymark. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Also, consider signing up for the Storymark newsletter where we'll keep you up to date about upcoming guests. Visit storymarkpodcast.org to sign up and you can also follow us on Instagram at Storymark. Storymark is brought to you by iTrek Studios. iTrek is a nonprofit that inspires tomorrow's leaders through peer-led week-long treks in Israel to experience its innovation, diversity, and complex reality firsthand. For more information, visit iTrek.org. I'm your host, Gil Galanos. Our producer is Eli Blyer, and associate producer is Rebecca Sebastian. Our editor is Zev Levi. Thanks for listening, and later on. See you next time.